0: Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day so that you can listen to it at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed wait I'm stepping I'm stepping out on your word I'm stepping I'm stepping down on your word I'm stepping I'm stepping down on your word today's passage comes from Psalm 59 60 and 61 Psalm 59 today is a, a time when Miss Saul is seeking David's life and he's completely innocent, and there's great harm coming against him. You know, this is actually not as common as it may feel to us as readers when we're reading of these laments, these, these crying, crying out moments to God. You know, some of these are moments where David is very clear that this is not of, this is not of my doing. This is not of my sin. I haven't made a mistake in this. Yet they seek after me. Verse 3, For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. For no fault of mine, they run and make ready. You know, there's a reason why that's said there. Because a lot of times, when we are faced with great difficulty in our lives, we really don't have to look that hard to find that there was maybe a mistake of ours in the midst of this. Right? You know, you're you're struggling with bankruptcy and you're, you're thinking, man, night and day, day and night, the, the debt collectors, they call and they call and they call and the bank sends letter after letter. And, you know, in that moment, you're really not able to lift up with clean hands. Not, not, that, not that you're, you know, doomed, but you're not able to lift up this cry with clean hands and go, God, I'm before you, transparent, of no wrongdoing, Would you come and move in my situation? Um, In those moments, the lament is, is different. It's like that of what we read in Psalm 51, where it goes, God, I'm in a bad way. And I ask that you would clean my heart and renew my spirit in me and grant me your Holy Spirit and give me wisdom and give me... Sometimes I think our lament... Is for God to move in a situation that we've created, and our cry should actually be for God to move us so that we don't continue to recreate these situations. Does that make sense? But in but in this instance, there are these moments where I'm surrounded by things that are of not that are of no, no wrongdoing on my part, and I could come before the Lord with clean hands and say, God, I need you to move. I haven't made this mess, but I ask that you would clean it up. You know, I hope that makes sense because it's a different lament. It's a different cry to God. And our, our, I feel like we can read through the Psalms and hear that anytime David was ever in any kind of trouble, it feels like there was always a part of the process, mentally at least, where he would examine himself, you know, and that's so powerful because we don't do that. A lot of times when we face with something, we, the last thing we do is examine ourselves. Like, is there any chance that what I'm going through, I had anything to do with? <laughs> we we never think that, right? But but I think that's the spiritually mature thing is that in everything that I go through, I examine what could what could I have done differently? Did I speak out of place? Was there wrongdoing of my part? Lord fix my heart. Lord help me to be a better a better husband, a better father, a better leader, you know, a better servant of you. You know, purify my heart and my mind. And I feel like David went through that process really as a precursor to writing this psalm, which is why it's on his heart to say there's no transgression of mine in this, you know. So I just pray that you would awake Come to meet me and see. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations, spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. And he goes about and he talks about the wickedness of what he's what he's been exposed to. But then he says in verse eight, but you, O Lord, laugh at them, you hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you, for you, O God are my fortress. My God is my God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. That's just a, that's a word of prophecy over himself. He prophesied himself. We've talked about that with David before, haven't we? He had this innate ability to prophesy himself out of, a, out of a mess that we should really, really, really press into. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. I mean you know man we should just be speaking that over wherever you're at right now you know my god in his steadfast love will meet me god will let me look in triumph on my enemies you know just believing that as a promise and that's what david did there wasn't anything that he could see in the natural that made sense in this moment right everything was a mess but he knew god's character and he goes on, he's talking again about their wickedness. They're like howling dogs and they, they growl, they wonder about. But then verse 16, he says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. You know, David says here, my focus is on you. My eyes are fixed on you. I'm infatuated with you. I'm drawing my strength from you, no matter how bad things are. You know, I think that's our problem is that, you know, we love to talk about how bad things are, you know, and that's a part, that, that that's, um, you know, th- there is a portion of our lives that I think it's even healthy to communicate, um, you know, the things that are, that are, causing us the, great, the greatest difficulty you know, almost a, a, a confession you know, a casting of these cares but it's not supposed to be one to another it's supposed to be from one unto the Lord you know, and it's supposed to be me taking my my concern to God and not me taking my concern to a brother me taking my concern to a sister about things that are, you know, out of our control And so he takes these things to the Lord, but he doesn't linger in them hopelessly. He says, this is the situation and I'm asking for you to move in it. But what I'm going to do in it is praise you. I'm going to sing of your strength. I'm going to sing aloud every morning when I roll out of my cave, when I'm on the run, when I'm in hiding, when my belly hurts because I'm starving and I haven't had a drink of water all day. I'm going to sing of your love. That's what I'm going to do. That's my place in the battle. Listen to that, church. That's your place in the battle. It's God's place to win the battle, to fight the battle. And it's your pl- it's your place to praise in the battle and to keep your eyes fixed on him in the battle. Psalm 60, this is an interesting psalm because it starts off by saying, oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry, oh, restore us. You have made the land a quake you have torn it open repair its breaches for its totters you have made your people see hard things you have given us wine to drink that made us stagger and he goes on and he's and he's saying basically we have failed you know we have been disciplined by you we 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 um we we know now the nothingness of what we are without you and now we're asking it's believed that this would have been written as almost a battle cry a battle prayer like anytime they were going into war that they would perhaps sing this song because it set the it set the the stage in a weird way you know i think about like a football team <laughs> you know you ever if you if you're a football fan you know uh, you know they get together and in the locker room, or as soon as they get out on the field, or whatever. And man, they just start going crazy. And they get one guy, you know, in the middle of them to just be like, "We're the greatest. Nobody's better than us. Like we're the best thing ever since sliced bread." Man, nobody's going to stop us. We're 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 the conquerors. We're you know everybody. Oh man, this is awesome. This is great. You know. Oh, we're going to bust their heads open. They we're going to put sixty points on them in the first half. And it's just all this like, you know, you know, encouragement basically. You know, just like. You know, we're so great. We're so great. They're nothing. They're nothing. They're nothing. We're going to rip their mouth out of their, you know, you know, we're going to rip their teeth out of their mouth. We're going to, you know, it, it gets wild. You know, I think about, you don't know what I'm talking about. Look up like a, a video of like Ray Lewis back in the day with the Ravens. He was just notorious for that. And he just, and they loved him for that because he just psyched them up, you know? And it's funny though, because you see God's people, they do something completely different than that. We're nothing. Every battle we fight without you, we've lost. You, when when you're not with us, we 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 stammer around, you know, like a bunch of drunks. We wander around, we're totally lost, you know. We're, um, you know, we're we're weak, you know. We, you've made our land a quake, you know. You, you just, you we've seen hard things, you know. And so it's like it, it's actually it's actually totally different than the way we would go into battle. It's not. A, it's really not even a building of themselves up. It, it's kind of a tearing of themselves down. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way like in condemnation. It's a tearing of their pride down, church. It's a tearing of, before they went into battle, no man needed to think too much of himself. Okay? And then the psalm change changes and it starts talking about Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my wash basin. He starts talking about that the world and that Israel belongs to God. So it's a tearing of self and flesh and pride down. God, without you, we are nothing. We have lost battles. We have been stripped down bare. And we'll lose this one too if we go alone so i don't want our men or our troops to think too much of our own strengths and our own self before we go into this battle but lord this battle is already won in your name right that's the power that's the power of it and you know they're just dec- they're just declaring everything is yours you know that there's that power in just declaring that everything is yours you know just think. i want to just kind of apply this to real life for for us for a minute cuz i know many of us don't go into physical you know uh, battle in this way but imagine going in, and you're just looking at your finances and you're going man god I have i I have messed up before I've spent too much I've saved too little I've sown into your kingdom not enough and continue to be left to my own de- devices my own strengths I'm going to continue to to not do the right things with my money that that's just a- that's a confession it's just a it's just a repentance it's a it's a A moment of humbling yourself. But my finances are yours. Every dollar in this world belongs to you. My house is yours. My wife is yours. My children are yours. It's a declaration of that everything that I see and everything that's in what I feel like is in my control is actually in your control. Right? That's what they're doing here. And so, what the pride that you've just torn off of yourself, it, it is then it's a prerequisite for then the exalting of God in the place of where you were pres- you were currently exalted, which then equips you with a confidence to go into what you're facing instead of an arrogance to go into what you're facing. Okay, if that makes sense, because this world thinks they know confidence, but they really only know arrogance. Okay. When, they, when, 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 when that football team gets all charged up to go out there, sometimes they get humbled pretty quick because they really weren't that confident. They were really just that arrogant. And arrogance can take you places, but it can't take you to the places that confidence can. Confidence in the Lord. Right? And so, at the end there, it says, With God we shall do valiantly. It is He. It is He who will tread down our, fo- our foes. You know, I want to just remind you of that today, is that humility is a prerequisite for exaltation. Humility is a prerequisite for promotion in God's kingdom. We need to maintain a culture of humbling ourselves. You know, I planted a church. Our church is called Divine. I planted it off of John 15. What spoke to me about six years ago, almost seven years ago, and it still speaks to me to this day, is where Jesus said, With me, you can do anything. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I am the vine and you are the branches. If we will remember our place as a branch, okay, branches are great. They can produce fruit. They can do great things. But if they're severed from their strength, if they're severed from their vine, then they're useless. They wither. They fall to the ground. And the the Bible says they're for nothing at that point except to be thrown into the fire. If I can remember that place of humility in my mind, that I'm not that great, but man, attached to the vine, I can do anything. And I feel like that's what this battle cry was, is guys, can't do this. Imagine gathering the troops together. Hey, listen, guys, I want to just remind you guys, remember, okay, we can't do this. We're going to lose this battle. (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa, uh, I wasn't expecting that today. Yeah, no, we're going to totally fail. Okay, we go out here by ourselves, our own strength. The floor is going to be wiped with us, you know? Hey, guys, you're going to try, try to take back your finances yet? No, you're going to mess that up. now you're going to try to get off of these drugs again? No, you're going to relapse. Oh, you're going to try to fix your marriage? No, that's not going to work. It's going to, You're going to get a divorce. Oh, you're going to try to raise these kids up in the way that they should go by yourself? No, that, that's not going to work. Man, what a, what a pep talk. That's powerful, Pastor. Thank you for this this morning. Oh, this is great. But if you invite God into those circumstances... Oh yeah, you're going to get off the drugs. Your marriage is going to be better than it's ever been. Your kids are going to raise up and you're going to be blessed by seeing the lives that they live. They're going to rise up and bless you. Come on. Okay? Oh yeah, you're going to be financially free and you're going to be sowing generously into other people. You're going to lend to many nations and not borrow come on but see the difference you see the difference there man i'm preaching today i've gone over on my time haven't i goodness somebody's just i just feel like somebody needs to hear this today you need to remember humility is the prerequisite for exaltation psalm 61 lead me to the rock he says lead me to the rock that is higher than i for you have been my refuge a strong tower against the enemy let me dwell in your tent forever let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Powerful. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vow day after day. This is a, this is a great psalm. Short, short psalm, eight verses. Great psalm. Uh, as usual, it's the last one we cover today, so it gets shortchanged a little bit. <laughs> but this is a psalm of David. And, you know, it, it, it just, I feel like it's a powerful psalm because David understands that you are what I need. So, Lord, give me of yourself. Lord, you are what I need. Sometimes we think, you know, I love that he, he doesn't ask for a move in a situation, does he? He says, you are what I need. Would you give me of yourself, God? Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. So often at the time we're asking for a God to move and X and Y and Z and A and B and all these things. And, but David, in his present situation, he just says, God, lead me to the rock. The rock is what I need to be right beside you that's what i need right now and more than more often than not church and wherever you're at right now that might be, need to be the prayer that you pray today as well lead me to the rock